We didn't get to talk about it a whole lot yesterday because, well, a football game happened, but that good news on Jamar Chase got a little bit better on Monday in Zach Taylor's press conference. Plus, there's some other moves to talk about for the Cincinnati Bengals. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals as myself, Jake Lisko, and your other host of Locked On Bengals, James Rapine, bring you daily coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So if you're new to the show, make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube, the follow button anywhere you get your audio podcasts, and it's just Get in the routine. Make us your first listen. Join the club. There's a whole lot of you out there that do it, and we appreciate every single one of you who do. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals is presented by Prize Picks. Right now, first time users at prizepicks.com will get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And James Zach Taylor addressed the media for about 20 minutes, a little bit longer press conference mm-hmm. on Monday as they are sometimes after after a win get a little bit more verbosity from the Bengals head coach and the the good news although he was brief about this and and was careful not to say too much or make any promises is that Jamar Chase is going to get back out there this week is going to get some work in mm-hmm. and didn't necessarily say he's going to practice this week, but the implication was that he's going to at least try to practice this week. Everything has gone as they hoped was the indication from Zach Taylor in the press conference with the recovery of Jamar Chase's hip. And it's now to a point where they're comfortable with him getting some work in and seeing how he feels. And and that's kind of where Taylor left it. But to me, and, and you can tell me if you interpreted this otherwise, the, implication was that he's going to at least attempt to practice this week if not practice at some point in full if things go well yeah he's going to practice i'll break the news he's going to practice this week now how much does he do is he just limited throughout the week is this about him just getting his feet wet and and getting that hip testing out that hip and and seeing how his body reacts because he's been on the shelf for four weeks and zach taylor you're right didn't give us a lot of details about exactly what they expect from him or what they need to see from him. But he did say that doctor's orders were use the crutches that you don't necessarily need, right. To, to take pressure off of that hip. And over the past four weeks, that's exactly what he's done. And so he shed those crutches. He did walk through the Bengals locker room. So he was at the facilities today. I talked about it during the buy. He stayed in Cincinnati and got treatment. So Jamar's done everything on his end. And I think he's felt relatively good Now it's about how does his body feel when it starts exerting itself again? How does the hip feel? How sore is it? Is is it one of those things where he's just so rusty, where he's working on getting his wind back and all of those things that go involved, you know, that are involved with playing in an NFL game? I think that's the question as much as anything, how the hip responds, of course, but all of the other things as well, because the last thing they want to do is is rush him back and then you know, he's not ready to go and doesn't play at the level you're expecting him to. When when Jamar comes back, you want Jamar to be Jamar. That could be this week against Tennessee. That might be next week against the Chiefs. 
but this is a step in the right direction. And it does feel like you're going to see Jamar Chase on a football field catching passes from Joe Burrow in games in the near future, whether it's this Sunday or next Sunday. Two big matchups against two teams ahead of the Bengals right now in the AFC playoff race and and two teams that not only did they see last postseason, but they could see again this postseason. I think if they go to the postseason, these other two teams, the, the Chiefs and the Titans, will be there very likely. The Chiefs playing football at a really high level right now in the less competitive than expected AFC West and the as uncompetitive as expected AFC South should be uh, a walk-in for the Titans. But this is an important game coming up and an obviously important stretch with very difficult opponents coming up. And obviously this should go without saying Jamar Chase's long-term health comes first in these decisions and they're going to make the best decision they can based on the information they have available to them it would be great if he could play this week even if he's on a pitch count because maybe the fitness isn't where it needs to be right like if you can't move your legs at all i know there are cardio machines out there that use your arms but if you can't use your legs at all i think it's reasonable to say that perhaps your cardio has declined over Mm -hmm. a, a month layoff and so maybe he's on a bit of a pitch count, right? And he, he can't play the entire game the way that he wants to and the way that he really worked hard this offseason to get to a point where he could play greater portions of the game with needing less rest despite all those vertical sprints he runs. But if he can be at 100% for those limited reps, if it is limited, right, that mm. is like a pretty good outcome especially the way this offense has gone in three out of the last four weeks, the way Joe Burrow has gone in three out of the last four weeks. And after rewatching a bit of the game, I, I have some thoughts on how Joe Burrow and the offensive line played that we'll get to later, but you've seen this evolution, right? And the way the offense has been going about its business without Jamar Chase, they've had to do different things. So like we talked about yesterday, they get him back at the level he plays at even if it is for a limited amount of snaps, that does bump up the ceiling for the offense. Even without Jamar Chase, stayed pretty high. Mm -hmm. And and the the good news is, as you mentioned, they're in a rhythm right now to where you don't need Jamar to be the superhero that he was in New Orleans. Right. That doesn't mean that you'd be against it. Of course you would take that, but you don't need him to necessarily save you and outrun the entire Falcons defense, even though, again – you would take that all day long, especially on Sunday against the Titans. Point being, it, you know, if and Trenton Irwin's on a high right now, and that's awesome. But if those snaps that went to Irwin, if half of them are going to chase, you take that all day long, right? And, and so that might be the route they go. Uh, I don't think, and I know you didn't mean this, but I just to clarify, like a one hundred percent. I don't think he's going to be one hundred percent, but. 100% of his new normal for the rest of the year. You know, can he get to that point, uh, you know, for, for that first game? Hopefully. And and, and hopefully it is Sunday. I, I would not roll it out. And I think if the practice sessions slash recovery go well, Jamar will play. Now, there's a lot of ifs in there. There's a lot of little minutia. I think there's a reason why Zach Taylor was and has been as vague. I mean, he was as detailed as he's been about Jamar on monday and there wasn't much detail in there right mm-hmm. but it was uh he, he's been pretty uh close or tight-lipped kept things close to the vest 
mm-hmm. in, in recent weeks when it's come to Jamar. So I, he said a little bit more, and, and I think that he's he as in Jamar is going to do everything he can to play this week. It's going to be interesting to see if you know the the medical staff gives the thumbs up, the coaching staff gives the thumbs up. And Zach Taylor did mention that this is a feel thing. It's not like there's a benchmark that Jamar needs to hit running-wise, speed-wise, reps-wise, all of those things. It's a feel thing. And so eye test is going to matter. Soreness, all of those things. Body language, all of those things, I think they will will gauge and, and, and then make the right call, which I think is how you should do it because this is always you know, assuming medically that they, they give him the thumbs up to play. Right. And so you assume at this point, if they're allowing him to weight bear again, if they're allowing him to go out there and run around and do things, even in a limited capacity of practice, that bone is healed. Yep. by at least all of the medical indications they have, all the imaging they have available to them, the bone, at least as far as they know, must be healed at this point to me. Because if it's not, then you're not letting him go run around out there. So Mm -hmm. if you're talking, and and you're right, maybe he's not 100%, maybe, you know, the reported labral tear of the hip, then maybe is going to need eventual correction, maybe not. Maybe that's what they need to feel out, right? Like, is there residual hip flexor issue as well? Because originally you were, probably remember he he had the hip flexor strain reported as the injury so mm-hmm. perhaps with some of these things they need to see how he feels in that sense see how he feels from a fitness perspective but the bone itself my belief anyway reading between the lines there with a feel thing as zach taylor described it is that they feel good about the bone health they're not risking anything long term and and they need to see how the the other things such as this labral tear feel for Jamar and all indications are that he's been feeling pretty good. And, uh, you know, his return could be kind of forecasted by some of the other roster moves happening Mm. around the team. Maybe not, maybe they're unrelated, but I do think that some of the roster maneuvering happening right now is interesting to talk about. So let's get into those moves coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Taro, the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Taro, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. You want a Dodge Viper, a Chevy Corvette, a Mercedes-Benz like Jake Lisko, a Bentley, a Daewoo like James Erpine, or anything in between. Well, Taro has got you covered. So you can test that new electric vehicle, a little Tesla action if you want to, man. It's like floating. And no, I don't have one. My Daewoo doesn't run like that, though. Many Taro hosts even deliver the car right to you. So if you're traveling, maybe you're going to Nashville, you probably don't need a car if you're going to Nashville, but maybe you do. Maybe you don't want to take your car. Well, you can use Taro to do so uh, or any trip. So don't delay. Go there now. Go there now. Taro.com. That's T-U-R-O.com. Taro is the world's largest online car shopping, car sharing marketplace. So check them out again at Taro.com. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals is brought to you by Prize Picks as well. And Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We've told you about it so many times. Right now, the Bengals on a bit of a hot streak on offense. So maybe you see that they've got Patrick Mahomes, or sorry, they've got Joe Burrow set at 280 yards passing. I don't know why I said Patrick Mahomes there, talking about the Bengals here. They've got Joe Burrow set at 280 yards passing. You think he's going to pass for more yards than that? Well, you picked that. He's going to go for more than 280 yards. You combine that with one to four other picks for a total of two to five picks as to whether they will go more or less in their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. It's incredibly easy and quick to make these submissions. You're not competing against other people. It's just the projections. Maybe it's not the NFL either. 
even though you're listening to an NFL podcast, maybe you want to get into some men's college basketball as that is underway now. They've got you covered for a wide variety of sports. Download the Prize Picks apps right now or go to prizepicks.com and sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on it. Again, if that's $100 deposited, you're going to get $100 from Prize Picks. If it's 50 that you put in, they're going to give you 50. Don't forget that's promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Jake, you mentioned moves, and let's dive into those moves right now because the Bengals, well, they made a few of them starting on Monday by designated offensive tackle Isaiah Prince from uh, injured reserve. And Zach Taylor added that Prince has been healthy. It was time to activate him. And so there's no 21-day window. There's no we'll see this or that. No, no, no. He's just instantly on the 53-man roster. The Bengals waived wide receiver Mike Thomas to make room for Prince on the 53-man roster. They also released linebacker to great scales from the practice squad. And uh, scales was a, you know, signed with the Bengals in July as a first-year player out of Indiana. So a few moves, some would say minor, certainly interesting with Prince now on the 53-man roster. No Mike Thomas. I would expect him to return to the Bengals on the practice squad, but certainly some maneuvering from uh, the Bengals on Monday. Yeah, there's there's a lot there if you're trying to project what's going to happen with some of yeah. the other players on this team from the top down. So releasing Mike Thomas to start is interesting in the first place, right? He's lost playing time over the past few weeks to Trenton Irwin, who's stepped up, who's very well liked in the Bengals locker room. Not to say that Mike isn't well liked in the Bengals locker room. I think he is. And like you said, he might be back on the practice squad in the near future, but this could eventually be opening up that spot for Trent Irwin to join the 53-man roster. However, if they need Trent Irwin's services this week against uh, against um, the, the Titans. Tennessee Titans, sorry. Uh, and they Mark will. Yep. Let's play. be honest. He played. You would want Trenton up anyways, wouldn't you, at this stage? It, it, most likely, I would say so. I mean, how many receivers are you going to activate? Are you going to keep six receivers active? I guess they've done that, but that's when you don't have Jamar Chase. So if they want to get Trent Irwin under the 53, where I was going with this is he's been called up from the practice squad three times this year now, which means if they want him on the 53, if they want him to be active on a game day going forward, he needs to be signed to the 53-man roster. There are no more practice squad call-ups there. They also have six linebackers on the roster right now, and they just released a linebacker from the practice squad. That could be a breadcrumb. That could be a meaningless distinction, and they just feel good about their depth on the 53, so they didn't feel like they needed to keep the depth on the practice squad in scales. They also have 11 offensive linemen on the on the active roster right now, and they've had two healthy scratches on the offensive line all year. Despite having six linebackers and only maybe three or four of them play on defense every week, they've had six, all six active the last couple of weeks, and those guys – are generally active. They also have potentially Brandon Wilson coming off of the physically unable to perform list in the next couple of weeks. They got Tyson Anderson potentially coming off the IR in the next couple of weeks if those guys get healthy. So you would expect some additional moves here and it's hard to pinpoint where they might be. And, and yeah. one really interesting possibility that we talked about before the show started, James, is, is around Kevin Huber, who remains on the 53-man roster. 
Yeah, Zach Taylor mentioned, like, yeah, we're going to go business as usual, continue to do what we've done with Kevin Huber and Drew Chrisman, which sounds good, right? You just elevate Chrisman from the practice squad, you can make Huber inactive. But if you want to really juggle them, why not just keep Chrisman on the practice squad? He knows he's going to make the 53-man roster. You still have two elevations. And if you move on from Huber, that gives you that extra roster spot for Trent Irwin or insert whoever else while you're also getting Isaiah Prince back in the mix. I, I think that there's a scenario where that happens because at this point, what what's going to happen with Drew Christman? I mean, he held all three field goals, you know, all of the, the extra point attempts, 54 yarder on the road, all of those things cold. He's able to do that. So there's no doubt there. And he punted well, wasn't perfect, but he punted well. Certainly better than we've seen from Kevin Huber this season in a tough environment. So I think it's his job now, whether you know they want to come out and say it or not. So maybe that's the route they go. You just keep Chrisman and you don't have a punter on the 53-man roster for a couple of weeks. Who knows? But you're right. More moves are coming. And I do think Mike Thomas is going to return to the practice squad, certainly. It, but you absolutely want to get Trent Irwin now on the 53-man roster. He clearly has a rapport. He's shown that he can make some plays for you. That doesn't mean he's you know a world beater. I'm not saying that. But he's made plays when you needed him to, and he certainly did on Sunday. And so to me, they're going to find a, a spot for him. And there is no spots. To be clear, there are no spots right now with Isaiah Prince being elevated. Even though they waived Mike Thomas, their roster is at 53 currently as we record this on Monday evening. So we'll see what they do. And they've got some injured guys currently on the 53. I don't know if any of them need the IR at this point. At this Chris point Evans, Dax year. Hill. Yeah. Right. Josh Tupo has been yeah. has been hurt. He's been a, an injured and active for a few weeks now. So they have some guys that are that are hurt there. Again, not clear that any of them need a trip to the IR. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how they juggle the roster here. And it, it could be a surprise cut. And and that's where I look at some of these positions where the, they're a little bit heavy. 11 offensive linemen is a lot for this team. Yeah. They, they've not carried that many offensive linemen. Maybe ever under Zach Taylor, certainly infrequently. They've generally been much lower than that. Six linebackers. And I know Clay Johnson, Joe Batchy, Marcus Bailey, Akeem Davis, Gaither, even those guys play on special teams. It's a lot for a team that doesn't use those guys on defense all that often. Again, I would think two I would think on the field. I would think Clay Johnston would be the odd man out if I had to pick one. You know, maybe they've seen enough out of Joe Bocci following mm-hmm. the ACL that they're like, okay, because they believe in that kid, man. They yeah. like him a lot. Not that they don't believe in Clay Johnston, but man, you talk to that coaching staff about Bocci, it's like, yeah, they love themselves some Joe Bocci. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, and, and it would to me be either Johnston or. One of Deontay Smith or Jackson Carmen would, would be the other two. Just you know, if they're if they're healthy, scratches on the offensive line. Max Sharping uh, ahead of Jackson Carmen at this point, clearly. But now you've got an extra tackle. They they clearly like Akeemed Energy. They like some of his the the positional flexibility there. They like him as a backup tackle. I think they really like Isaiah Prince as a backup tackle. So is is that Deontay Smith then? Where, where's he been working as he's been? inactive the last few weeks. I, I think those are some decisions that we'll see. We'll see which direction they go. They've been really healthy on the offensive line so far as I knock on wood. And 
ho- hopefully that continues either way, especially down the stretch here. And, and the offensive line, I thought there were some ups and downs we can talk about. And and I think upon reviewing Joe Burrow, who I thought played really well, played exceptionally well in, in a couple ways that we didn't necessarily talk about a ton immediately after the game. So we'll just revisit yesterday's game before we get to our film review with Sands tomorrow. We'll do that to finish up the show today. Coming up next, today's episode of Locked on Bengals is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Maybe you think Patrick Mahomes is a sure thing for the MVP at this point. Maybe you want to hedge that bet. Maybe you think Joe Burrow is a dark horse who's going to run the table against some pretty dang good teams, including Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tom Brady and the teams that they play for, of course. And you want to place a bet on the longer odds of Joe Burrow to win MVP. Bet Online has you covered for all of that. And it's faster, easier to use than ever before. We love it. We know you will too if you're into sports betting. Go check it out at Bet Online, where the game starts. Now I got to tell you about Schultz and Sons, and yeah, yeah, we got to hand out some Schultz and Sons game balls. We're not going to be like Zach, though. We're going to hand out one. We're going to hand out one, and uh, I think Jake and I know which one, but we haven't talked about it, so we'll dive into that in just a second. But today's show brought to you by Schultz and Sons. Schultz and Sons Jewelers has been a Cincinnati tradition for over 65 years. The holidays are here. So, fellas, ladies, doesn't matter. If you're looking for a piece of jewelry for you, for anybody around you, whether it's a gift, uh, you, you want a custom piece, you want the right piece, you got to go to Schultz & Sons because Matt and his team, they're not going to just sell you on something. They're going to find the right fit for you, whether it's style, whether it's price, whether it's design, because they can design each and every piece right there for you customized. So make it easy. Schultz & Sons is just off the um, Fort, uh, Fort Mitchell exit five minutes from downtown. So if you're coming into town, maybe for the Chiefs game, you got to get the Schultz and Sons. Get to town early, get the Schultz and Sons, and let them hook you up. Check them out right now. Schultz and Sons, they're going to make this as painless as possible for you. Financing available, by the way, up to 18 months, same as cash. So don't delay. Go there now, SchultzandSons.com. And remember, when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz and Sons. All right, James, we're, we're going to do some Schultz and Sons game balls real quick here before we dive yeah. into a few other thoughts on the game. And yeah, we're, we're not going to do how many game balls does Zach Taylor give out? Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, uh, Trenton Irwin. Trent, that's no. five. Were five. there more? Was that it? I think it was five. I think it's I, five. Yeah. D- didn't he mention in his press conference that he might have given one to one of the linebackers after the fact? Or did I make that up? He's done that in the past. I don't, I don't maybe think not he, this he week. Yeah, even though Pratt, you could have argued, right? Yeah, I mean, he went back. Maybe and, he did, and, and said maybe that Jermaine did. Pratt and Logan Wilson both had had really nice games, and I, I think that there's certainly some some weight to that argument. But uh, if you're picking one, James, yeah, who, who are you picking? Joe Burrow, best player on the field. Pretty simple, right? And in what. What you say coming up here in a second, I have a feeling is going to back up this argument. But yeah. when you have nine, you always have a chance. And Tyler Boyd, th- th- that's the other part, is, is like a pern- upon further review. I got to talk to Tyler Boyd after the game. He also talked with reporters. And it was consistent. He was like, man, we got Joe Burrow. We, yeah. we always got a chance when you got Joe Burrow. And, and like just 
all about it, man. And, you know, he's played with other quarterbacks and seen a lot of, a lot of time in this league, spent a lot of time in this league now, what, seven years. So this dude, he's been around the block some. And so he, he's a big burrow believer. So Joe Burrow gets the Schultz and Sons game ball, which I'm sure is more valuable than the actual game ball he got from Zach Taylor. Do you agree with this? I mean, it's probably made out of diamonds. If it's coming I mean, from Schultz and Sons, so probably more valuable. Yes. Joe Shiesty with some diamonds, you know, uh, I, I won't argue with you about Joe Burrow. If I had to pick a runner up just for the sake of offering a, another player here who I think is in the conversation, we talked about it yesterday. T Higgins quietly, I mean, quietly had an elite football game. Uh, our, our pal Bengal Sands, he'll be on the show with us tomorrow to talk about some of the all 22 takeaways after we've had a chance to watch the tape and digest things put up a, a, a uh, cut-up of all of T. Higgins' catches, and he was undressing Steelers' cornerbacks. I mean, he was beating them in man. He was finding the soft spots in zone. He was better after the catch than I thought he was. Really, really impressive game from T. Higgins. And uh, I, I think that, you know, no touchdowns to Maje P. Ryan with the three touchdowns. Oh, he might have gotten a game ball, too. He did. There's your six from Zach. Oh, yeah. Pirine. What were we thinking of? And of course he should have. Three touchdowns. Yeah. But uh, wait, so are you giving are you giving T the game ball over Pirine? Now that's I think that Samaje Pirine had a really good game. I think what T did, despite not scoring touchdowns, was more impressive. Oh. I don't think that's that controversial if you turn on the tape. Like he Samaja Piran did a fantastic job of finishing plays, getting into the end zone, had really great blocking on that screen, by the way, Cordell Volson downfield. Excellent. Uh, I think it was uh, Ted Karras getting a block right away on Devin Bush to, to help spring that. That was really good. The other plays, good job to get downhill in, in the flat and score the touchdowns. But I, I think T Higgins was more impressive. Uh, not yeah, to take anything I, away from Samaje, who I thought was great. But- I, I, I get your logic. I also think there's something to, you know, having 18 points to your name, right? It's like, yeah, you know, but he, here's the good problem is I hope we can debate and have conversations about Schultz right. and Sons games, game balls every week. That means that a lot of guys played well. That's right. A lot of guys did play well. That That's a hundred percent true. And I don't know. You know me. I'm I'm a bit of a tape nerd, and and when you look at the tape, you take away the the, the touchdowns on, on like the the box score part of it. Samaje played well, but I, I just think that T Higgins had an excellent game. But I, I want to get to the offensive line for a bit. I want to talk Joe Burrow for a bit. Uh, for one, I, I thought Joe Burrow was even better than I initially thought when when rewatching the game a little bit when having a chance to see some of the pockets he was working from within. Not that there was a ton of pressure. PFF has it at 28% of his dropbacks, 28, 29% of his dropbacks being pressured. That's a pretty low number. That's a reasonable number. But I thought Joe Burrow's pocket management in this game was very good in terms of Mm -hmm. avoiding pressure, helping his blockers to sustain their blocks with subtle pocket movement. Only took sacks on those 12 pressure dropbacks on two of them. And uh, one of them, of course, is called a sack because Joe Burrow thought he had a QB draw, didn't actually have it. Um, Joe Burrow's pocket movement, pocket awareness, pocket management in this game was very, very good. Very, very good. Next level stuff. I don't think that we really talked about that uh, as much as we could have 
yesterday. The ball was coming out. And it's not like he had a lightning quick time to throw in this game. Average of 2.6 second time to throw, according to PFF, which is much Mm -hmm. slower than his season average, which is second fastest in the NFL to Tom Brady. But despite all the balls getting batted down at the line of scrimmage, I thought, and and TJ Watt's freak interception, I, I thought Burrow was just getting the ball out in perfect timing. And, and mm-hmm. that's hard to do against the team that is is trying to get a lot of pressure on you. The strength of that defense is obviously the defensive front. And also uh, Jonah Williams, real big bounce back week for him. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I yep. thought overall was the best lineman for the Bengals on the field. But L. Collins, Cordell Volson, maybe a little bit worse than I initially thought, but I thought Collins held his own, had his share of wins against T.J. Watt. Cordell Volson, man, and and Brandon Thorne pointed this out on Twitter. Cam Hayward gets away with a lot of defensive holding. And two of the pressures that Volson gave up, including the sack he gave up, came when Cam Hayward had a fistful of Volson's collar, which is cheating. That should be a flag. That's defensive holding. That's an automatic first down for the Bengals offense, and the Bengals didn't get those calls. So, uh, you know, credit Cam Hayward for being sneaky. I have a lot of respect for his game. Uh, but made Cordell Volson look a little bit worse mm-hmm. on the stat sheet. Uh, but but shout out Jonah Williams and and just wanted to shout out Joe Burrow's uh, pocket management, pocket awareness, and and timing because it was really good uh, on Sunday. Before the game, when we talked about the offensive line, I said this would be like a good gauge to see where the O line is at, where everything is at, and if you get Burrow moving like that. And it's not like he ran for a bunch of yards. That's not what I mean. But it, if he's moving in the pocket like like that, seeing the field the way he is and did on Sunday against a line like that, no doubt, one of the better I, one of the better pass rushes, I'd say, in the NFL, especially with four. And this offensive line was asked to, to block in pass blocking situations. It's not like the ground game got working and they were averaging seven yards a carry. It was not that type mm-hmm. of game. It was a drop back game. That's all you can ask for, man. Like that's what you wanted when this line was assembled in March. That was the hope was what you saw on Sunday. And that's great. Hopefully it continues because when it does, I'm not sure anyone's better than Burrow when you give him time and allow him to read and allow him to scan and allow him to, to do what he does. It's, there aren't many if you know it's, and it isn't five, Right, it's 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 less than that, and it probably isn't three. When you talk about giving a quarterback time, allow him to to do, uh, you know, scan the field and make decisions. So no, they they played great. This offense over the past five games, even with the ugly game against the Browns, averaging over thirty one points mm-hmm. per game, thirty one point four. And I just have to update real quick. Fist bump, Brian Callahan, pregame fist bumps, and there were actually some listeners that probably witnessed this. We'll see. They were certainly in the tunnel. Uh, as as Brian came out, we're four and one now, four and yeah. one with the pregame fist bump. So, you know, thirty one points per game. You, you know my thirty point expectation for this offense. Three games without Jamar Chase in that span, and they're averaging thirty one point four, and they're four and one. So that's a pretty good record so far with the pregame fist bump. Yeah, they're executing at a high level. I think you credit the coaching staff a little bit for that as well. After the start to the season they had, you mentioned Joe Burrow from a clean pocket, Dan Orlovsky. Happened to have tweeted some stats. Maybe mm-hmm. these were in the back of your mind when you said that. Uh, this was this was a couple hours before we recorded. In in terms of clean pocket, first in the NFL in completion percentage from a clean pocket. Oh, 
maybe this is his over overall stats. I can't tell. It's not very specific. I think because his completion percentage, percentage in the last two years is also first in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, or at least I wouldn't. Yeah, be he, he made it sound like Joe with a complete pocket. That's his, or yeah, with a with a clean pocket. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit confused because he said when the offensive line wins. When the offensive line so. wins. So maybe this is ESPN's pass block win rate, whatever it is. When the offensive line wins, Joe Burrow's seventy-two percent completion percentage is first in the NFL. Nine point four yards per attempt is first in the NFL. Forty-one percent of his passes going for first downs is first in the NFL, and a passer rating of one hundred and fourteen point four is first in the NFL. If you look at his clean pocket grade from PFF, again, excluding week one, because I don't include week one in any of my Joe Burrow stats because of what week one was coming off that appendectomy. Joe Burrow in just this year is third in the NFL in clean pocket grade behind Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tagovailoa. And uh, Tua is having a great year. Credit him for the productivity he's had down there with Mike McDaniel. But Joe Burrow has been excellent is hitting his stride in a big way, and that's they're gonna need news. it. They're gonna need it against Tennessee, stretch. man. Yeah, that's right. No doubt. Tennessee is a game that we'll talk about in the near future. Tomorrow we've got Mike joining us. We're gonna do some film takeaways with him. So until then, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.